It's Monday evening, the 21st of June, 1993. A black car, Peugeot 504, with tinted windows, pulls into the driveway of Asurok, Nigeria's presidential villa. The back passenger door opens. Out steps a pair of snakeskin leather shoes, belonging to a middle-aged man of average height and built. He is dressed in a dark purple suit, gold cufflinks adorned the sleeves of his white shirt, and his black tie is held to his shirt with a diamond-studded clip. Framing his face is a pair of square-framed eyeglasses. This is Professor Omar Omoruye, confident and advisor to Nigeria's military president, Ibrahim Badamosi Babangida, also known as IBB, the current occupant of Asurok Villa. About a week ago, Babangida asked the professor to draft a plan that would allow him to resign his role as Nigeria's military head of state without losing his life. Professor Omoruye steps out of the car with a black portfolio under his arm. He leans forward towards the driver's side window. Um, wait in the car. I'll be back as soon as I can. Yes, the professor approaches the entrance of the villa. The walkway is guarded on both sides by fully armed soldiers. And even though the professor is a known visitor, he could sense that the atmosphere is different somehow. Everyone is on edge. He has no doubt that the election is on everyone's mind. Nigeria had been under military rule since the coup of 1983. And for years, the military had been promising a transition to civilian rule. On Saturday, June 12, 1993, the people of Nigeria finally held a presidential election. Mashud Kashimawo or Lawale Abiola, also known as MKO, the candidate of the Social Democratic Party, SDP, is speculated to be the winner of the election. Leaked results on Friday, June 18th, confirmed that Abiola had won by a 58% majority with support from all regions of the country. But there were also rumors that the military leadership are uneasy about Abiola's victory and will not accept the result if he had won. At the villa, Professor Omar Omaruye makes his way to the presidential wing. As he enters, he is greeted by a tall, fully armed soldier. Uh, good evening, Professor. Our guy is in the lounge. He want to make one flow. Oh, thank you, Sergeant. No the professor knows his way around. As he approaches the lounge, he notices that Babangida is not alone. There is another officer with him. The professor taps gently at the door. The officer gets up to open the door. Oh, General Dogoyaro. The professor is surprised to see Lieutenant General Joshua Dogoyaro. Dogoyaro was a commandant at the Commandant Staff College in Jaji, Kaduna State and a member of Babangida's inner circle, known as the Babangida Boys. The Babangida Boys saw themselves as the makers of Babangida. At well over six feet tall, Dogon Yaru towers over the professor. He wraps his left arm around the professor's shoulders. Prof, you are confusing this man. Don't confuse this man. There was no election. No election took place. Do you understand? Your advice to the commander-in-chief should be how to tell the country that fact. 
but... Dongoyaro's grip tightens around Omori's shoulder. No buts, Professor. Don't forget, you're not a member of this military government. Your service begins and ends with your advice to Mr. President. Your advice should not be seen as making the president work against military interests. Do you understand? Babangida, who has been watching them from his desk, calls on Dongoyaro. Joshua, easy. I need to see the professor alone. Dogonyaro eases his grip on Professor Morui. He continues to look at the professor while he responds to Babangida. Yes, sir. Dongoyaro salutes and makes his retreat. As the professor watches Dongoyaro leave, he can shake the feeling that these people are planning to cancel the election. Babangida's voice interrupts his thoughts. Pros, I told you I am a prisoner. Come, my friend. Babangida gets up from behind his desk, walks over to the office bar and pours two glasses of water. At about five feet eight inches, Babangida is clean shaven with a fresh haircut. He is wearing a well-pressed formal army uniform decorated with four stars. A pair of black shiny boots adorn his feet. Babangida walks over to the professor, hands him the glass of water. He flashes a smile, revealing the natural gap between his two upper front teeth and sits on the sofa opposite Professor Omori. The professor takes a sip of his water and then rests the glass on his side stool. He opens his portfolio and hands Babangida a document. Here's the proposal. They continue to talk as Babangida skims the document. Professor Omori is observing Babangida and notices the slightly swollen dark circles under his eyes. His right hand shakes a little as he flips through the document. Your Excellency, I am more concerned about your health. Why don't you see Professor Lambo? Professor Lambo? No. That man has already taken sides with his fellow Egberman, Abiola. I won't touch him with a badge pole as long as he favors uh, a return to democratic rule under Abiola. You understand? The rumors are right, the professor thinks. The military is not ready to accept the results of the election if it means an Abiola presidency. Professor, produce a final draft of this proposal for our meeting tomorrow. But come up with an alternative uh, arrangement in case this one fails to fall through with the boys. He nods quietly as Babangida hands him the document. But the professor is still concerned because he knows that Bemangida no longer has control over the military officers. From the outside, it will appear that leaders of the military government were unified. But ever since he authorized that the June 12th election should proceed, Bemangida has had to suffer the fury of his military colleagues. Senior officers had started to skim and they were even inciting the middle-ranking officers in order to put pressure on Babangida. But Babangida had promised the country that he would leave office and end military rule by August 27. And this time, it looks like he may actually keep to that promise. It remains to be seen if the service chiefs are ready to retire quietly along with him. Professor Omori makes his way through the lounge and out of the villa. He knows that the military will not like his proposal for transition to civilian rule and that 
The only chance at a successful transition is if the political factions somehow get behind his proposal. Are the politicians ready to present a united front against the military? From Triple E Media Productions, I am Ikbamusa Ike Odiasi, and this is Nigerian Headlines. The June 12, 1993 election is often referred to by Nigerians as the freest and fairest election in the nation's history. It was the election that was supposed to mark the end of military rule and a return to civilian rule. But instead, it became the election that plunged the country into a political crisis. The election scheduled to take place on June 12, 1993, was suspended on June 10th, just two days before, by a high court in Abuja. There were claims being made by a pro-Babangida group that the electoral process had been compromised by many irregularities and by vote rigging. The High Court ruled that the claims must be given a fair hearing before the balloting can continue. However, the National Electoral Commission, NEC, stood firm that it will continue with the election on the grounds that the court had no right to preside over the elections. And on Friday, the 11th of June, Babangida insisted that the vote will still continue that next day, Saturday the 12th. By Sunday the 13th of June, NEC began to tally the election results. But it will never fully release them because another Abuja High Court served an injunction, restraining NEC from announcing the results. Even though NEC was prohibited from announcing the results, by Friday the 18th, the results were released by a civil society organization, which also went on to declare Abiola winner of the 1993 election. But Abiola never would go on to serve as president of Nigeria because of a series of events that quickly unfolded in the days and weeks to follow. This story is about those events and the characters that were central to what happened after June 12th. This is episode one, Drift into Chaos. It's 7 p.m. on Tuesday, June 22, 1993. Members of the Social Democratic Party, SDP, have already gathered at campaign headquarters in Okwebi, Lagos. The executive conference room can seat up to 20 people, and right now, it's standing room only. The room is packed with senior party members, including the party leader, SDP state governors, Chief Abiola, and his presidential running mate, Babagana Kingibe. The atmosphere is tense as news of the election count being suspended spreads across the nation. Now, we are examining the options. What if the military government refuses to release the complete result? Babagida and his men are left with very few choices. Either they cancel the transition process or they release the results and tell the aggrieved parties that are not the result in court. Yeah. I think they will go with the second option. I share the same view. Despite everything, I don't think they will want to blow the country into a very chaos. So, if it reaches the last stage of this uh, of the transition program like this, 
It might be one of his numerous agendas. Abiola, who had been quietly listening, breaks his silence. Uh, well, 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 uh, Babangida cannot keep the whole country in suspense. He will have to speak up soon. Uh -huh. The party members could hear the hopefulness in Abiola's voice. They know about the friendship between Abiola and Babangida. It was no secret. The friendship between the two men had started back in the 1970s when Abiola was selling radio communication systems to the military. Babangida had been sent to evaluate the quality of the radios. And from then on, the two men developed a close relationship. For the SDP party members, the relationship between Abiola and Babangida was an asset for the party. Just a few weeks ago, when things were looking more certain for them. But now that the election and the results are in limbo, they can't trust the government. They can't trust Babangida and they can't trust Abiola's judgment about his friendship with Babangida. But we, we still need to consider what the party's response should be if the British government cancels their suspended results. We could use state control media in all SDP states mm -hmm. to create awareness on the current situation. Mm -hmm. The people should know what is going on. Yes, mm -hmm. that's a good idea. I think we should just that. That can even serve as a good avenue for mass protest. Well, I, I, I have to categorically state that while I mean well for SDP, our great party, I do not support these ideas and will not use Jigawa state control media to participate in such actions. Yes, so. I support Arhajibulian Kadu. Ah, I also prefer Taraba control stations and newspapers should be. Gentlemen, left out. we need to have a common front here. If such a thing eventually happens. The phone rings. Abagana Kingibe steps out to answer as the party members continue their dialogue. Well, the decision is not a bad one, no. I think we just have to have Hello? a common front. If we have to speak in one voice, we will speak in there one voice. King Ibe hangs up the phone and returns to the party members. His expression is solemn. Gentlemen. Eradua's father is dead. No! What happened? Huh? It means we have to be in Casino by money for the Muslim burial. Uh, let me call you Adua. Hello? General? Uh, please accept our condolences, so We just said, uh, uh, yes. Shehu Musa Yaradua served as a general chief of staff under the Obasanjo military regime. And it is no secret that he also has presidential ambitions of his own. In fact, when Abiola joined the presidential race in 1993, Yaradua was ready to fight him to the end. But Abiola appealed to Yaradua's father, who instructed his son to drop his own ambition and support Abiola. In exchange for his support, Abiola agreed to repay Yaradua's campaign expenses to the tune of 15 million naira. While Yaradua's father was alive, Abiola could count on Yaradua's support, even if the support was reluctant. But now that Yaradua's father has passed on, Abiola fears that Yaradua could start to rethink the pledge he made. He knows he has to be at the funeral in Katsina tomorrow. 
After he hangs up with Yaradua, Abiola makes another call. Hello? Is that you? Good. Have the jet prepared. We will be flying to Casina first thing in the morning. Yes, for the burial. Oda. Back at the villa, it's almost 9 p.m. Professor Omar Omori drives up to the entrance gate. He honks. By this time, the gates remain closed. He could see the soldiers on the other side of the gate, but no one makes a move to open the gate. He taps the horn again. Minutes later, a soldier approaches his window. Good evening, Professor. I'm sorry. You won't be allowed to see Okatu. I won't? Why? Professor, the president has removed all names, including yours, from the list of visitors he's expecting tonight. Okay. But is there something going on? Is he alone? No, he's not alone. The soldier leans in closer. And look, Professor, you know that you are not a visitor that should be affected by this type of order. Except that we have been given strict order that only visitors on this list should be allowed in. Um, who are the visitors with him? Uh, General Dungoyaru, Brigadier David Mark, Brigadier Anthony Upo, Brigadier John Shagaya, and Brigadier Alilu Akilu. The names are familiar to Professor Omar Omorui. They are members of the National Defense and Security Council. The professor looks at his wristwatch. Council meeting like this is bound to drag well into the night. He hesitates and looks over at the updated proposal he intends to deliver to Babangida tonight. He starts to worry that the people in the room with Babangida might sway him against the plan. But maybe if more moderate voices are in the room, the proposal might have a chance. The professor presses for more information. What of the vice president, Admiral Aikomo? Is he there? No, he's not in. Chief Shoneko? <laughs> professor, and why will he be? No! This is not good. The professor thinks to himself. What are they planning? For months, there had been rumors that Babangida was trying to use the transition as a way to transform himself from a military ruler into a civilian leader. Perhaps someone had been whispering Babangida's ears. The professor nods over at the officer as he winds up his window. Mm. Thank you, officer. You're welcome, sir. It's early morning, June 23rd, at the Villa's media office. Unduka Irabo, the chief press secretary to the vice president, is hunched over a typewriter, preparing the president's daily brief. Unduka, a slender young man in his mid-thirties, is dressed formally in a well-tailored black suit and a blue tie. As a press secretary, he always has to be prepared for cameras. But right now, He's too focused on his work to notice the footsteps marching towards his office door. 
Unduka's door flings open and a tall soldier walks in. He's one of the Babangida's boys. Unduka is startled, and for a moment, his long fingers freeze on the typewriter keys as he looks up at the door. Realizing that it's a soldier, Unduka quickly stands up. Ah, Unduka, how are you this morning? I am fine. Good morning, sir. Yeah. The soldier doesn't wait for Unduka to finish his response. He pushes a piece of paper into Unduka's hand. It's an order. The president wants this release to the state house correspondent as soon as possible. Unduka takes the piece of paper and begins to read. We are on our way to Casina with the president to attend the funeral ceremony of General Yaradwa's father. Unduka glances up from the paper. There is a look of both confusion and shock in his face. Sir, this is quite a great statement. Besides, it does not have any of the official requirements that the federal government statement should have. Perhaps I should cross-check with my boss, the vice president. The officer bangs his hands on the table and leans forward over Unduka's desk. And who is the boss of the vice president, Mr. Irabo? Do you want to lose your job? An official and a gentleman gave you an instruction from the president and commander-in-chief, and you still want to cross-check this work? Sure, 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 sure. Sir, it's just that this statement is undated, unsigned, and it's not even on the FMG letter edit paper. The soldier calls. He is offended. Uh, okay. Maybe you don't understand, or maybe you don't know, Mr. Rabo, but you just accuse a superior government official of forgery and fabrication of government documents. The soldier leans in closer. Unduka is terrified. Sir, uh, uh, sir. sir. Now, if you quietly do your job, Maybe I won't pretend we never had this argument at all. And maybe I will not forget to mention this to the president that a state house staff wanted to cross-check his order. <laughs> Am I clear? Unduka's heart is pounding and is visibly trembling. He looks straight ahead and nods occasionally to acknowledge the officer. He replies in a soft voice. You are clear, sir. You are very clear, sir. Good, though. Then our business <laughs> is concluded. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Irabo! <laughs> Irabo! Sir. Sir. Do the needful. Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, you okay, what's that? <laughs> Unduka continues to stand as a soldier turns and walks out of his office. When the soldier is out of earshot, he lets out a heavy sigh and sits back down to type the press statement. As Unduka is typing up the press statement, Abiola and his entourage are on a chartered plane en route to Katsina for the burial of Yeradua's father. Babangida had arrived at the airport earlier, also for the burial 
and his flight is still on the tarmac. After a brief delay, Abiola's plane is cleared for landing. Abiola steps out of the plane and immediately spots Babangida's convoy. He folds the sleeves of his Agbada over his shoulders and descends the aircraft steps. He's heading towards the convoy. At about six feet tall, with a heavy set frame, Abiola is not easy to miss. Today, like most days, he is dressed in traditional Agbada attire. The colorful fabrics that are flowing around him as he takes long strides only serve to put a finer point on his larger-than-life personality. His smile, his most distinguishing feature, is dimpled and is the smile that he flashes as he makes his way towards Babangida. Babangida, who is about to enter his car, turns around just in time to see one of the security officers intercept Abiola a few meters away. Abiola catches Babangida's eyes and waves to him. Without waving back, Babangida ducks into the car and the door is shut behind him. Abiola stops and turns to look at the security officer, a confused look on his face. I'm sorry, Chief. We cannot approach the president. What? What do you mean I cannot approach him? There is an, an emergency. We cannot approach the president. From the back seat of the tinted presidential car, Babangida could see Abiola speaking with the security officer. He knows what they are telling him. You cannot tell, at least for now. Abiola steps back, and right then and there, in the pit of his stomach, he knows something is wrong. Abiola and Babangida were not strangers to each other. They had been friends and even business associates. Their families knew each other. They attended each other's events from weddings to naming ceremonies and funerals. It's even rumored that Abiola had more photos of Babangida in his home than photos of his own family. Abiola trusted that if there was something wrong, Babangida would tell him. Yet, as he stood there on the tarmac watching Babangida's convoy drive away, he couldn't be so sure anymore. By now, the rest of Abiola's entourage had caught up with him and they made their way to Yaradua's house, completely unaware of the news that had started to spread. This is Radio Kaduna. Credible sources from Asuroka Abuja confirm the annulment after presidential election by the federal military government this morning. This is Radio Nigeria. There are unconfirmed reports that the presidential election, which was conducted on Sunday 12th June 1993, might have been annulled. Details are still sketchy at this moment, but we promise to keep you updated as events unfold. All over the country, rumors are beginning to circulate that the June 12th presidential election has been or will be annulled. Abiola and his entourage heard the rumors while they were at the condolence visit with Yaradu and his family. Now, they are on the plane back to Lagos, and Abiola is on the phone trying to confirm the rumor. If this is the truth, what are we going to do? We can't really do anything, but we know for sure. Abiola hangs off the phone and turns to his party members. The call is from Abuja. 
I have just been informed that uh, there is a document purportedly annulling the election. Ndukai Rabo, the vice president, press secretary, is the one circulating it. Oh God! So this is a true. Let's confront them head on. With what? Mere words. We can't allow Babangida and his people to get away with this. What if security operators are waiting at the tarmac of Lagos Airport to pick us up? Hmm. Well, maybe we should ask the pilot to make a detour to Akure Airport. Hmm. That way, we can all quietly disperse. No. Abiola's voice interrupts the men. My friends, let's go to Lagos. If Babangida has the courage to annul the election, he should be able to tell Nigerians why. Why should we run? Let's go to Lagos. Besides, I am here with the leadership of the National Assembly. The governors are here, as well as the Senate President and the Speaker. I cannot see how uh, these people will arrest us in Lagos. The party members become quiet and remain sitting in silence for the rest of the flight. A few minutes later, the plane lands at the Murichala Mohammed Airport in Lagos. And the plan was for everyone to reconvene at Abiola's house. They all enter into separate cars and begin to follow Abiola's car out of the airport towards Ikeja. Abiola's driver glances through the rear view mirror and sees Abiola sitting in the rear passenger seat of the car. He's lost in thought. The bright smile that greeted him just a few minutes ago had faded into a tense look of concentration. The driver then shifts his eyes to his side view mirror, where he can see the other cars carrying Abiola's entourage. At first, the cars were following in line behind him, but then, one by one, each car started to turn off in different directions. They are not following the road to Abiola's house. The driver approaches the front gate entrance of the residence in the Kejan, where he could see a crowd of well-wishers and journalists already gathered. He offers to take Abiola around to the back entrance, but he declines. He never runs away from anyone who wants to talk to him. It's been a long day for Abiola and he's exhausted, but as soon as he gets out of the car, he immediately flashes his dimple smile at the crowd and the cameras start flashing. Reporters immediately surround him and begin to bombard him with questions. Chief, have you seen the statement? Sir, how did the SDP presidential candidate react? Chief, what is the SDP response? Chief, are we back to the hidden agenda again? Sir, where do you think the rest of the country stands? Abiola waves at a cheering crowd of supporters and then he turns around and looks straight ahead at the cameras. He knows exactly what he has to say. Uh, gentlemen of the press, thank you. You see, the so-called annulment statement purportedly distributed, unsigned, undated, and on a plain sheet of paper by the press secretary to the military vice president is too weak to announce any information of such magnitude. A mere sheet of paper cannot cancel or annul a presidential election judged by the vast majority to be the first free and fair election in the history of Nigeria. Neither the SDP nor my humble self will accept this so-called annulment. I stand by the mandate given me 
by the Nigerian people on June 12, 1993, when they spoke with their votes all over the country. 800 kilometers away in Abuja, Babangida is watching Abiola's speech live from a television in his office. Abiola just challenged him to either uphold the June 12 election results or personally come out and confirm the annulment. He knows he has to confirm the annulment. But then, what happens after that? He needs a plan. He had promised the people a return to civilian rule by August 27th, and the June 12 election was supposed to be part of fulfilling that promise. But with the election now mad in controversy, he needs another plan. He cannot go back on his promise to leave the government by August 27th. It's true that he had gone back on his promise to hand over power several times in the past. And he was able to do that because he had the full control and support of the military. But things are different now. Realities are starting to shift. And he knows that if he extends his stay, he will be overthrown in a military coup. Or worse, he might even be killed. No, extending his stay is not an option and there isn't enough time to hold another election. From Tripoli Media, this is episode one of the June 12th announcement from Nigerian Headlines. In our next episode, Babangida tries to bring the situation under control, but everywhere he turns, he can't seem to get the support that he needs. The odds are stacked against him. Nigerian Headlines is a Triple E Media Production. Production Copyright 2022, Triple E Media Production. This is Season 1, June 12th. The Annulment. Based on the comic book novel, June 12th, 1993, Annulment, by Abraham Oshoko. This episode was directed by John Iwodi. Written by Ramat Muhammad and John Iwodi. Produced by Senate Ewa. Executive producer, Ramat Muhammad. Narrated by Ikbomosa Aik Odiase. Chris Maledo as Moshud Kashimawo Abiola and Professor Omo Omoruyi. Jide Balariwa as Ibrahim Bagamosi Babangida. Michael Atungu as Sani Abacha. Special thanks to the following voices. Jude Audu, Blessing Joel Akapson, Godwin Irabo, Gilbert Onwa, George Washington, Ijen Ewere Harrison, Uchechuku Obiako, Miriam Mohammed, Antonieta Kalunta, Rabia Adejia, Loki Usama, John Iwodi, Dominic Tabakaji, and Uche Mba. Sound recording, Sam Tabakaji, and Dominic Tabakaji. 
Sound Editing, Sam Tabakaji. Sound Design, Dominic Tabakaji and Ramat Muhammad. Mixing and Mastering, Dominic Tabakaji. Cover Art by Pixel Craft Multimedia. In most cases, we cannot know exactly what was said, but all of our reenactments are based on research. We would like to thank Abraham Oshoko for granting us the rights to adapt his novel into audio form. We also relied on additional sources of information, including Nigerian Soldiers of Fortune series, written by Max Chiolun. <laughs>